everybody. Welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm Bo Nellis, and this is episode 56, Potency, or Potent Potables, or the Potency of Pot. But first, we're going to open things up with a section I call Stoner Moments. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? First, I just wanted to say that I was really kind of planning on making this week's podcast about Prop 64. And one, I didn't want to take up a whole nother podcast about it. I thought it'd be kind of unfair to some of the listeners that aren't going to be voting on it. Um, especially since I'm definitely not going to be taking the time to look into other states' legislation. I, I'm not politically active enough, and I'm definitely not aware enough of their communities and cultures and nuances and things like that. But I have been getting a lot of requests for people asking me about Prop 64. And I noticed as I was going through my voter information guide that a lot of things have changed from what I was reading online initially. Things like where it was 28 grams of flour or 8 grams of concentrate are now 28 grams of flour or 4 grams of concentrate. Um, And some of the, the... the punishments have changed uh, for minors. And and so basically what I w- really just want to do is go through and read it. And you know, maybe you're someone who just doesn't like to read things. Obviously, you're listening to podcasts, so you enjoy people talking about stuff. So I think I'm just going to go through and actually go bit by bit and talk about each section. But I don't want to spend the whole week's podcast doing that. So what I'm going to do is come out with a separate podcast, I'm hoping by Saturday, and I'll have that released. And instead of the usual format where it'll be, you know, like a spliff podcast, it'll just be an extra one and it'll be something that people can go to if they don't have the opportunity to actually get into it or if they would just like to listen to somebody kind of talk about it and I'll talk about as much of what I understand of it as I can. (laughs) Uh, In the meantime, if you are looking for something a little less politically charged or or something that, you know, you can just kind of kick back and talk to or listen to other people learn about weed, I started listening to a podcast called Potluck Dinner uh, AKA Stiletto Stoners on the Twitters. These are two ladies out of New York City and they're really funny and they are getting to know their medicine better and they like sharing that information. They talk about pop culture and things that are going on in their lives. I will say the sound can be a little harsh. You can really hear the fan in the computer. So if that's something you're sensitive to, Maybe not your podcast, but if you really just want to hang with, you know, the real two dope queens, uh, God, I wish they had been able to name it that. Uh, I mean, I love Phoebe and Jessica too, but I mean, come on, they're smoking weed, New York City, they're obviously the real two dope queens. Anyway, moving on. I absolutely like it. And so I'd recommend it to you too. They don't come out with one every week. They do seasons, but they are on the Twitter and more active in that whole arena. So follow them. And I'll have the links on my webpage, which you can go to thespliffpodcast.com slash podcast if you want to look directly into those because uh, there isn't really much else there. I still haven't filled out the about me. It's uh, 
It's on the to-do list. It's on the to-do list. And then the last thing I wanted to say was I got my first negative review on iTunes uh, and in general, uh, which is totally okay because now the stars come up and I can officially have a rating visible in iTunes. So excited. Thank you so much to the anonymous people who just left ratings without their reviews. And then thank you also to all the incredible people who left the positive reviews for me to read. I appreciate it. And even the the, the negative review, like I said, uh, you're the one who pushed it over so that I could see my stars. And that makes me really happy. And I don't mind negative feedback. I mean, look at it critically and move the fuck on. So that's what we're going to do right now. Move on to potency. Now, really the focus of this podcast is going to be the thing that most people are worried about and often refer to, which is, has weed gotten more potent since back in the day? Whatever back in the day means to you. And first, I'm going to break down really what potency means. Potency is brought forth by having the best growing conditions and the best genetics together. They provide the best cannabinoid ratio and the best terpene ratio for someone's personal preference. Lab results having the highest THC levels, which is often what most people are pointing towards, aren't necessarily an indication in and of themselves towards the overall potency of cannabis and its ability to have varying ratios and combinations of the cannabinoids and the terpenes and and things like that within it really play with how each person experiences that potency overall. Now, there's still a level where most of us will taper off. I mean, if you're putting cannabinoids directly intravenously into your bloodstream, then yeah, that's gonna, that's potent, is gonna hit you, it's max, it's fullest. But when it comes down to can we get the the very highest THC with the very best growing conditions and have we altered the genetics of this plant so much that we are the first people to make the most potent weed in the history of mankind? Not really. There has been one innovation made since recreational legalization in Colorado, and that's pretty much it. But we're going to focus on the history of it first. Historically, this idea comes from testing that was done in the 60s. And there are a few things about that testing that we really need to take into consideration. One, when they were doing that testing, they were only looking for THC. As soon as they discovered what the active, quote unquote, cannabinoid in or active ingredient in marijuana was, that's all they were testing for. They weren't testing for CBD, which was a cannabinoid that they knew to exist in the cannabis plant. So there's a good chance that what we're having does have higher quantity THC in it and less CBD, but we also don't know enough about how genetics vary within the cannabis plant because CBD can can happen out of different phenotypes. The cannabis plant will in and of itself diversify without 
any kind of direction or preemption by human interference. And we don't always understand why that happens. At least as far as my limited knowledge goes, we don't understand that. And I'm pretty sure if I don't understand it, most of the general populace isn't going to understand it either when they're trying to grow it. So they weren't looking for CBD, uh, which still has some active compounds in it. They weren't testing the terpenes because terpenes are still a relatively newer concept that has only come to real light after the use of pharmaceuticals and medical legalization, which we'll touch on some more. Another thing to remember about that testing is that if you got your weed during the 60s, you probably remember, unless you were one of the lucky ones, you probably remember how shitty it was, full of stems and seeds. To some people, that's actually one of the things that they like. They kind of prefer that style of cannabis for their smoking needs. But for the most part, the quality that you get nowadays is much better than the quality you were getting back in the day. Again, whatever back in the day means to you. Even someone like me who really came onto the scene when when the glassine was really coming into play, so the quality of your material was better, the quality of your bud wanted to be better, you know, you had Cypress Hill, Northern Lights, chronic, 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 but you also had a bunch of chemically fertilizer-laden stuff that just doesn't taste as good as the incredible organic stuff that we have available in the medical market right now. So access to quality is really what has changed. I mean, has there never been organic weed available in California until I experienced it? No, that's stupid to think. To think that somebody was growing a plant for the last five to 10,000 years, really we're we're talking like 10 to 15, maybe even 10 to 20,000 years ago, to think that we are the first persons to ever cultivate it into its most potent form is just so hubristic, so hubristic and violates the historicity of this plant Uh, I was trying to find the right word to kind of uh, describe the mindset that you need in this very present time centric mindset. And I couldn't really find it. So I made up one. It is curse chronocentric. I was thinking maybe curse chronocentric or cur chronocentric, not entirely sure, but just stuck in the present time. And, and just focused on all of the incredible things that we're doing now. Like, nobody's ever done it ever because we're some kind of teenager or something. I don't know. But to just not even really acknowledge the fact that nowadays we are only testing the flower. And at most parts, we are testing the most potent part of the flower, the tip tops of the flower. Whereas back in the day, you were testing pretty much the whole plant, the seeds, the leaves. Because you don't give your good shit away to a market with high demand. Why would you do that? That's just poor economics. Come on now. Jesus Christ. It's like you don't even know how to develop a luxury market. You call yourself a capitalist. But so what we have there is an increase in access, not potency. We cannot say that we are the first to cultivate these most gorgeous flowers 
with the trichiest trikes and just the right amount of light and everything else, we don't totally understand that goes into this plant. That's just silly. When before us, the entire economic system was built on an agrarian base. To think that we are the best farmers is just, oh, it blows my mind. It blows my mind, all right? And I mean, but we don't even have to guess about whether or not they had really good shit back in the day. Because here's the thing, they wrote about it. They told us that they were plenty intoxicated. They told us, the pharmacists, that one of the biggest problems was the inability to titrate consistently because of the varying levels of potency, because of the varying levels of CBD. We knew they had CBD in it because they found that compound pretty quickly. And when you have less CBD and higher THC, like they have historically shown was true to the Southeast Asia areas with the sativas, then, I mean, I mean, they just straight, I mean, there's no guessing. We know they had some good shit. You know how else we know they had some good shit? Hash. They had hash. They knew. They didn't guess like we were doing back in the day, what the medicine was. I remember when I started smoking weed, you had to look for the red hairs because you knew it was the best shit. You knew it was the horniest girl because of her red hairs. And that was what's going to get you fucked up. And it didn't take very long for me to go through a couple sacks of some really hairy shit and realize I ain't that stoned. I ain't that stoned at all. Those hairs don't really do it for me. But them crystals, them crystals where it's at... And historically, they already knew that. Cannabis cultivators back in the day, they were making hash. They knew to beat the resin off the organic material, not just to preserve the integrity of the plant to travel with, but to preserve the integrity of its most active parts. They knew what they were doing. You think that they were making hash and not growing a flower to be more resinous? Not doing whatever they could to get that done? that they were growing a flower and didn't care about its fragrance? Because that's, that's another thing. The terpenes. Now, I did mention on another podcast that I had come across some writing on O'Shaughnessy's website that says through testing, we can see that terpene levels have increased. Now, one, I want to know what kind of material they're doing this with. Are they looking at genetic information Or were they just like testing old shit? Because obviously the old shit is going to be, I mean, terpenes are volatile. They just don't stick around. The fresher the flower, the more terpenes, which is why live resin is such an incredible thing. It is the only true innovation that we have had since legalization. The fact that we can preserve fresh terpenes gives us our most potent version of the cannabis plant as far as being true to the cannabis plant. Otherwise, if you're just looking for 100% THC, the most potent form, and I've said this before too, trinobinol, better known as marinol, the synthetic form of THC that's made by Big Pharma. And while we are having more versions made with terpene bases and things like that, the fact remains that the most potent form of marijuana, if you are speaking about THC content, is still made by a pharmaceutical company. And the plant itself is never, ever going to be able to be as potent as Big Pharma can make it. 
And even then, it's still pretty safe. Worst case scenario, you're going to faint because you have low blood pressure problems. You're going to become nauseous and dizzy and potentially puke. Uh, The sweats that usually comes with the nausea and the puking, that can certainly happen. But despite having concentrates for millennia, uh, either through force or solvents, because historically cannabis was always used in drinks and things like that, they knew to mix it with dairy or oils or alcohol. Uh, You know, Rick Simpson didn't think of that shit himself. He learned it. And... uh, And I think we can see a a tradition of that kind of use in the episode where my friend Yami talks about her father and his two bottles that he would throw cannabis in, not to drink, not to get high from, but to use as a tincture topically in the Latino Indio tradition. I mean, you think that shit never evaporated and they tried to use it anyway? You think we're the first ones who realized that maybe you could get a little solvent out of it? Come on. So in 5, 10, 15, 20,000 years, I can guarantee you that we are not the first and only generation to master this plant. And we're just stonewalling ourselves and the integrity of research that's going to be done about this plant by thinking that we have. So what's really changed? Technology and access. We have live resin and turp juice. This is the only new actual potency on the market. The ability to affect our senses in this way, specifically with cannabinoid-derived terpenes. We could have similar experiences by mixing our, our cannabis use with essential oils, but this is the first time we've really been able to bump up the cannabinoid-based experience. And But I do want to say, too, that... Uh, while it's one of its most potent ways, just aromatically, it's also its most potent when you dab it, when you dab it. It's not just eating it. It doesn't make a huge difference from hash because hash can have a lot of terpenes in it still. But it is when you dab it. If you just kind of throw it on a bowl or in a joint and smoke it, yeah, you're still getting way higher and it's still definitely going to bump it up for you. But... It's most potent is when you dab it. So that vaporizing technique, which again, I'm sure is not solely to us, but it's personalization, it's level of personalization, and it's ubiquitous access certainly is. I'm sure back in the day, they probably were using hot stones and a lot of the same stoner techniques that we use nowadays and different parties and things like that, but did they have a butane torch to be able to do it automatically? Probably not. Probably not. Or an electronic nail that they could just plug in. Also, probably something unique to us. All right, you guys. Well, that wraps up the potency part. I hope that you have a little bit better of an understanding that when it comes to the potency of modern cannabis, this is really more about technology and access and not necessarily the cannabinoid ratio that you are going to be getting in your joint. If you had the right connections in your life or if you are a cultivator who is always like to grow your own or who started growing your own as a nice little hobby, then you probably know that 
access to good weed usually stays close to home. Or if you're just, you know, a good economist like that. All right, you guys, let's safety. I have had this bong packed here the whole time, just sitting, staring at me. I've been so good about it. I still have some fun time salad. I'm pretty sure that I pulled out some sativa. It was nice and spicy and peppery, and it's the kind that really gets my mind going. I don't have much to talk about. Uh, just a couple things to touch on because I'm keeping this short since I still have to go back and Read 32 pages of Prop 64. I'm not entirely sure what the sativa is, but I think it's some sort of Dutch or Durban poison. A Durban poison would make a lot of sense. All right, you guys, let's safety. We're going to talk about... Juicy J Papers again. Yeah, I know I already talked about him before, but when I talked about him then, I wasn't familiar with the ultra fine option. One thing I will say about Juicy J's, it is a thick paper. It is a thick paper that's meant specifically to smoke with cannabis, but it's a thick paper and a thicker paper is going to give you kind of a thicker, more uncomfortable smoke sometimes. So I can certainly understand why some people would look towards other options and not towards the very tasty Juicy J's. But my girl at the head shop turned me on to the ultra fine option that she had available. I don't know if there are others, but there was a white grape flavor and the papers were much thinner. And I, I have to say, hooked, hooked, don't want to go back. They ran out. Nobody else in this area has them, and I'm back to smoking the regular Juicy J's, and I have to say my throat can feel it. It can definitely, it makes a big difference. So if you have tried Juicy J's in the past and weren't pleased because they were an uncomfortable smoke for you, see if you can get your hands on the Ultra Fine, and then let me know if you can find any other flavors. I mean, white grape was good. It was really, it was totally on the level of mango, my favorite. Uh, but I'd be down to try others too. And then, hey, if you're a fire breather, get yourself some of them thick papers and get yourself some nice thick smoke. And then just one other note real quick after I sink the rest of this bong load. Got a nice slow burn on that one. Uh, I just wanted to say that I am oftentimes asked about YouTube. Uh, Willie's asked me about it. My boy Tom's asked me about it. I even offered to help with the editing. And um, thanks. That's awesome. I'm definitely glad to know that people are interested. Maybe one day, but I just don't have the resources right now. There's... A lot of stuff that goes into doing video that I'm not always prepared for, and uh, I can barely get out a podcast sometimes. I have no idea how to vid edit video, um, and then Tom moved away, quite unfortunately. I mean, I don't even know what kind of software I would need. Like, I have to start at the very, very fucking beginning. Um, but I'm not discounting it. In the meantime, there's people that I think you should check out. 
The first would be Coral Reefer. She is younger and she has much in the same range as me with a kind of stoner culture meets education and medicinal marijuana advocation. Um, and she's really popular. She's got a great following. She's got her stony Sundays and she's super cute and fun to hang out with. There is also, if you're looking for an older option, but hilarious, she's so funny, Becca Williams with Marijuana Straight Talk. Uh, she's just, she's just adorably hilarious. And she's really great at breaking down, again, stoner culture and medical marijuana, but with a different generational kind of aspect. And then just kind of like knee slapping humor too. It's pretty funny. So yeah, those are my two. Check out Coral Reefer and Marijuana Straight Talk. If you need some YouTubing experience with some lady stoners and I'm not available yet. All right. Maybe you're listening to this and I'm already on to on the YouTubes. Uh, maybe you found me on the podcast through the YouTubes. Wow, the future's grand when you're in the past. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for spliffing it. Ciao for now.